0: Hey, okay, good morning to you, Grace. It's great to see you this morning. Would you turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of 1 Corinthians? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12. I will get to that in four minutes. So, yeah, four minutes to find me. You can put me on the clock if you want. We're in the series that it's about the DNA of Grace Community Church, the core of who we are, and really the core of any biblical local church. And the DNA is a long molecule. That, is, that gives uniqueness in our genetic code, is what contains our genetic code. The DNA is like a, a recipe book that, contru- that contains the, the instructions in how to make all the proteins in our bodies. And every human being, so look around if you're a human being, every human being shares 99% of their DNA with every other human being. And so then it's just that 1% that makes all of the uniqueness and all the people that you know, the sizes and the shapes and the colors and male and female, it's all those different things all come from that 1% of DNA. And DNA is built with only a few building blocks, four building blocks, the nucleotides. But coming from those four building blocks, the nucleotides, the human genome has 3 billion pairs of DNA. If you were to take your, the DNA in your body and unravel it and put it end to end, it would go all the way from the earth to the sun and back 600 times. Who would have thought? Every living thing has DNA in it. You share 41% of your DNA with a banana. You share 45% of your DNA with a cabbage, and that's because every living thing has DNA in it. Now, what makes you different than a banana or a cabbage? Well, it's the other 60% that defines you being human. DNA is the instruction book, the recipe book with the instructions in how to make a human body, and that's what the Bible is for a church. The Bible is the instruction book. And what makes a church? And biblical churches, 99% of the things about them are all the same because they are a biblical church. And there really are only a few key building blocks. Just like DNA in the human body, there are really only a few key building blocks. But as those churches follow those key building blocks, 99% of the churches are going to be the same. And then the 1% then is what makes all the uniqueness in all of the biblical churches all around the world, the churches that you've been a part of in the past are that 1% that's the difference. Now, you should know that there are some banana churches out there. There are some cabbage churches out there. They claim to be a biblical church, but they just don't look like what the Bible would say a church is like. And so today is going to be an important one because today is going to answer questions for Christians that that they have about their relationship with the local church, like why am I here? <laughs> why do I come here? Like wh- wh- why are why are we here today? And and what's the purpose of gathering of people together? Like d- does it matter if I come every Sunday? Uh, it, it, does anybody care if I miss a Sunday? Um, Maybe you notice people who serve in various ministries here around Grace, but you just like to come and sit in your seat and then leave? Is there anything wrong with that? Today is going to answer those questions. It's been four minutes. Let's start reading 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 12. What did I say? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For even as the body is one and yet has many members... And all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. So the author here is Paul, and Paul is going to give us a word picture, an analogy, and he's going to use the human body as the analogy. The human body is like a church, is like a group of people. A group of Christians are like a human body. So that's the analogy. Let's keep reading. Verse 13, for by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one Spirit. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you had God's Holy Spirit come and live inside of you, and now you are a part of this spiritual body. Verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he has desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer, that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which are deemed less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor so that Uh, to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. So, Christians in a church are a part of a body, a supernatural body. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you were, became a part of the body. You're a body part. might not have thought of, like that, thought of it like that, but that's the analogy. You're a part of this group. You're a part of the body. You're a body part. And each one of these body parts plays an important role. Now, I know that we all want to be the body part that gets the most attention. We all want to be the pretty eye. And no one wants to be a pancreas. (laughs) But every member of the body is important. And every member of the body contributes to a healthy body. And so the pretty eyes can't say to the pancreas, I don't need you, because if the pancreas really did leave, it would become an unhealthy body. And the pancreas, before he gets a big head, can't say, I don't need you eyes. Because all of a sudden, the body is going to walk off a cliff and the pancreas never saw it coming. <laughs> and so every member plays a part for a healthy body. And as Christians, we are a part of a body. We are a part of a healthy body. And every role is equally valuable, but not everyone in the church body is going to have the same role. Not every person is going to do the same things, although they are all contributing to a healthy body. I know that there are some uh, some ministries or some gifts in the church or some parts of the body that get more celebrity or more notoriety than other ones, like Vince and his electric guitar. Man, don't you wish you could do that? I wish I could do that. I'm a really good air guitar player when I have a tennis racket. I'd love to do that. Who have these beautiful voices? Pastor John, Rebecca. I love to sing like that someday. You look at the junior high league leaders and they go to camp and they're so good with junior hires, and you say, Oh man, I'm so glad I can't do that. <laughs> I dodged a bullet. You see, not not everyone can be a tongue, because then that would be a healthy body. And it would be an unhealthy body if all of the members weren't participating to make the body healthy. And so, drawing from this passage that we've read here, there are six things that we can know about the spiritual body. And so, I want to look at those things. Number one, all Christians are a part of the spiritual body. All Christians are a part of the spiritual body. Look back at verse 12. It says, For even as the body is one, as yet and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Now how do you get to be a part of this body? For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. This is not referring to your water baptism. This is referring to being baptized by God's Holy Spirit when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, your sins are washed away, and immediately at that moment, you don't wait for it, you don't wait for another time, you don't wait for something to happen, immediately God's Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, comes in and lives inside of you. You are baptized with the Holy Spirit immediately. And it is upon your salvation that you receive God's Holy Spirit. He is the seal, he is the promise that he's going to take your soul to heaven when you die. And now we are all believers, and that Holy Spirit not only is the seal the promise that you're going to go to heaven when you die, we'll find out a little bit that the the Holy Spirit does some other things as well. And and when He comes and lives inside of you, you are now a part of the body. So all Christians are a part of the spiritual body. Secondly, we can learn from this that all Christians should have a healthy function within the body. But not all of them are going to have the same function within the body. Go back to verse 14. It says, for the body is not one member, but many. There, there's one body. When you walked in here today, it was you, your body, that walked in here today. But there are a lot of pieces to your body going all the way down to the... To the uh, to the nucleotides in your body, going all the way down to the DNA that, that is so vast that would stretch from here to the sun. It, there's so much going inside of your body. You weren't thinking about all of those little parts that walked you in here today. You were just a body. So there's one body, but many parts of that body. That is even made clear in, in, in verse 4 of the same chapter. Look at verse 4 of 1 Corinthians. It says, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. Yeah, that's exactly right. That when God's Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you, that not only is he a promise or a seal that he's going to take your soul to heaven when you die, in addition to that, it's not only about the future, it's also about the now. And God's Holy Spirit will give you uh, gifts or abilities or passions that you didn't really ever have before. And there's a variety of, there's not one, there, there are, are almost an infinite amount of potential varieties of these gifts. Look at verse 5. There are, there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. Yeah, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are a part of one body because of Jesus Christ, and yet there are an infinite, almost, amount of abilities or gifts that come from that Holy Spirit that now lives inside of you. And so, you're going to have, as a believer, you'll have a gift that comes from God's Holy Spirit, but will not be the same one as someone else's. Let's go to the third thing that we can tell from this passage. God determines the function of each member of the body through His Holy Spirit. God determines the function of each member. Look at verse uh, 18. It says, But now God placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desired. So, notice the math here. Not only does God give every Christian in every individual Christian a, a gift, an ability. It might be one that you never expected. It might be one that you you never thought you would like or be interested in. It might be in an area where you're very weak, and that's a wonderful thing because then now you rely on God. You have faith in God. You trust Him even more to follow through on that thing. Or it might be something where, where it's you already have a talent that God has given you just through through your DNA. He, he's just given you through the, the passing of those things from your parents to you. And then now God's Holy Spirit comes and just like, it, it, like shines a light on it. It's like a highlighter, it's like a spotlight. And now there's passion and there's vigor and there's joy and there's success in those things that, spiritually speaking, success that you never even experienced before. And yet God is the one who gives this. You don't get to decide it for yourself, you don't get to say, you know, I'd really like to. God is the one who gives this. And then, follow the math, God is the one who places that person inside the body, inside of the group of Christians that they're around. He places them in there. And so, that's why you get all of the uniquenesses of all the churches that you've seen. You have one church that is focused solely on kids' ministry. Like, that is their focus. That's their A-game is kids' ministry. That's a wonderful thing. But then there are other churches that their focus is uh, is on senior adults, retired adults, adults where their families are already gone, and that's their A-game, and that's a wonderful thing. Because God has given certain gifts to each of those churches that are different from each other. He's placed those people within those church by God's sovereign design, and he's placed those people there to enact those gifts. And so that's where a church will be focused on missions. That's a wonderful thing. Or they're focused on outreach. That's a wonderful thing because God has given those churches unique skills and gifts and passions and implementations of those gifts within those churches. God is the one that determines the gift by his holy spirit and God is the one that then places them in the group of people that they're around to to serve with. And so you might see a church that does this amazing wonderful ministry. Oh, it's so great. And we should do it here at Grace Community Church. But the problem is that unless God has not has placed somebody in our church in Grace Community Church with that passion, with that skill set, with that, those gifts to follow through on it, all we are doing is trying to make a pancreas be an eyeball. It just doesn't work. You can't make a pancreas be an eyeball. And as a church is flourishing in ministry, but we don't have that same ministry, we praise God. He's the one that gave the gifts, and he's the one that has placed them within that body. He's given us the gifts that we have, and he's placed us within this group of Christians, but not that one. And so that's why every church is so unique, because of the variety and the uniquenesses of God's gifts as they then are implemented within the group of Christians that they are around. We're going to get back to this God determines it in a little bit. Number four, the function of every body member is important. The function of each one of these body parts is important. Look at verse 15. It says, If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? Every part is important. And so if you feel like, eh, you know, I just, I just want to be behind the scenes. I just want to, I just want to pick up. I just, I, I, I just want to, you know, kind of move chairs around. I'm fine with vacuuming. I, just, I don't want to be anywhere in the spotlight. I just want to be in the background. So I'm not, just, I'm not really a part of this whole thing. That doesn't make you not a part of the body. Just because you say you're not a part of the body, that doesn't make you not a part of the body. You are a part of the body because it's not your gift or your level of participation that made you a part of the body. What made you a part of the body? Being baptized with the Holy Spirit. As soon as you you are in Christ, you are now a part of the body. (laughs) Whether you like it or not, whether you say, not it, you're still it. You are a part of You are a body part because you are in Christ. And every function of the body is important to the health of the body. Everyone plays a different role. Everyone everyone is doing a different thing just like your body is doing right now. But it makes a healthy body. Number five. Number five. In order for proper function of the body, Christians must get along and have a shared concern for each other. Look back at verse 25. So, So that there are... So that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Imagine if your heart and your lungs started to fight with each other, that there's like a fight between your heart and your lungs. And start to go at it. Well, some of you have had that happen to you. You know what that's called? 911. <laughs> Ambulance. Emergency room. An unhealthy body. That's, that's, that's unhealthy. And it is a wonderfully healthy body when the heart wants nothing but the best for the lungs, and the lungs want nothing but the best for the brain, and they are all doing completely different things but they all live in a symbiotic relationship. They are all feeding off of each other, and someone else's success is their success. And and when one begins to hurt, the other one notices the hurt, and they all begin to work together in a wonderful way. That is a healthy body. This is the picture of a healthy body, but it's really a picture of a group of Christians being together in Christ. Number six, the purpose of the Individual members' function in the body is to strengthen the local church. Whenever the Bible is talking about the body like this, it's always within a local church. You look back at verse 7 of Corinthians 12, and it says, But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Sometimes the word manifestation there is some woo-ha, woo thing. But it just means, the word manifestation means when it is seen, when it is practically experienced, when God's Holy Spirit produces a, provides a, a gift, ability, a passion, a desire, and that then manifests itself. When other people around you experience that, when, when you begin to, disple- so if, if yours is, um, uh, let's say yours is teaching, and when you begin to teach and you say, whoa. Other people are learning, and I'm learning, and this is a wonderful thing. Then that gift has been manifested. Other people have seen it and experienced it and benefited from it. And notice that it is for the common good, for the good of those Christians who are around you. The number one purpose for a spiritual gift is for the Christians that you are immediately around. That's the number one purpose of your spiritual gift. Not the only purpose, but the number one gift, purpose of your gift from God's Holy Spirit is for the benefit of those Christians that you are in, not for your non-Christian family members. It's not primarily for your non-Christian neighbors. Primarily, and first, it is for those Christians that you are around to strengthen the local church. And so then we get to these questions that we've asked already, like, well, why do I come on a Sunday? Why are we here? Why do we come on a Sunday morning? Well, you're here to contribute to a healthy body. That's why you're here. And God has given you his Holy Spirit so that you would have gifts that are intended to encourage the group of people that you are around. That's why you're here. And then you ask the question, well, but uh, does it even even matter if I come on Sunday morning? Like, does anybody even care if I'm not here on a Sunday morning? Well, let me answer that question uh, in the framework of the body. What if your bladder didn't come with you today? You know, your bladder's a Chiefs fan. And your bladder says, I'm not going. I want to watch the pregame. I want to watch everything Super Bowl. And, and, and I'm staying right here on the couch. And you say, yeah, but I'm going to church. The Super Bowl isn't until later on this afternoon. Bladder says, see you. You go. I'm staying. What would happen What happened to you? You would blow up or leak I'd, with one of those two. I guess you would miss your bladder is the point. So, does anybody care when I don't come to church on a Sunday? You are missed. This is not the intention; is not to guilt you into coming every Sunday. It's not to it's not to make you feel obligated to come to church on Sunday. Biblically, you are missed. You're you're missed. Who who is the you? when you aren't here. Now, thankfully, we don't blow up when you're not here. And that's only by God's grace that we don't blow up when you are not here. Because every member is in the body to provide an aspect of a healthy living of that body. And you say, well, What if I just like to come to church and experience this and just go home? Can I I do that? Well, that doesn't fit here. I don't know many body parts that that just do nothing. Back when I was growing up, when I was young, probably when you were younger as well, um, the, the appendix was like, I mean, they were taking the appendix out like, it was just like candy, ingrown hair, okay, we'll pull that out, and we'll take your appendix out just so nothing else happens. I mean, they're just yanking appendixes out like crazy, and the idea was, well, you know, uh, the appendix is like nothing. It used to be like a tail back in evolutionary time, but you know we've we've this is just the remaining parts of the tail, and so you don't really worry. it's going to shed in another uh, a million years anyway, and so we can just take it. And then later on, they find out that there are actually bodily uses. the body uses the appendix for things. Yeah, no surprise. God is the one who put it in there. He knit you together in his mother's womb. He put it there for a reason, and there's a purpose for the pancreas. They just find out they find out later, or for the appendix, they find out later. Now, you can have your appendix removed, and your body will miss your appendix. But, by God's grace, your body won't die. Your body will adjust, and your body will compensate, and it will continue to to survive, but not as originally healthy as it was before. And so, you might be thinking, hmm. So I wonder what body part I am. And if that's what you're thinking, then the rest of today is for you. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. That's left in your Bibles, Romans 12. I'm going to guess Romans 12 for you is about six pages. To your left, Romans 12. These two passages are all about the supernatural body. It's interesting that they're both chapter 12. Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. So you're looking for Romans 12. You're a part of a spiritual body. Grace Community Church is a spiritual body. And now this passage even gives more detail as to what are some of the body parts. Let's read. Romans 12, beginning at verse 3. It says, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, Not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness." So, now we get some more detail about what these gifts might be. Go back to verse 3 and let's get a running start at what he is saying here. Look at verse 3 and it says, Everyone among you is not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Meaning, there's no celebrity body parts. There's no celebrity positions within the church. Don't, Don't get all cocky about the gift that you have. Don't think that you're the best ever, and without you, everything would die. No, every body part is important. The brain can't say that I'm the most important, and it doesn't matter if we have a heart or not, because the heart is the very thing that's providing it the blood to survive, and the heart can't say, well, I'm more important than than the, the lungs, because... Without the lungs, why even have a heart? (laughs) It doesn't even matter. And the lungs can't get all big-headed and cocky and say, man, then I must be the most important one. If it isn't for the brain, the lungs don't even know to go in and out. And so there's no celebrity positions. As a matter of fact, biblically, as we've read this, it seems to be that the positions that have less celebrity, the positions that have less notoriety, are the ones that are even more vital to the health of the body. Now, everyone contributes to the health of the body, but it seems like those that that are already kind of received public honor are really the ones that are less necessary than the ones that are not receiving all of the limelight within the body. And so, I I have this written, this has been written in my Bible for a long time, but I just have written above it, no cockiness in ministry, and an arrow pointing right to that verse. We don't get cocky with what we have. God is the one who gave it to us. We didn't do anything for it. We didn't earn it. And we are simply one body part that is working together with all these other other body parts. There's no cockiness, no celebrity in ministry. Let's go quickly to verse 5. Verse 5, it says, So we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. So, we are all a part of one body. Metaphorically, this is like Christ's body, and individually, we're all part of each other because we're a part of this body. Now, obviously, this is not Jesus' body because Jesus' literal body ascended into heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of God the Father today. What this is is a, an assembly or a group put together because we are in Christ, this body. And so now this word picture of the body just helps Christians understand their role, that their participation within this group of Christians that now they've joined because of their salvation. This is a supernatural body. And God is the one who puts this body together. And God is the one who who makes sure that the body has the appropriate body parts to function. Now, speaking of functions, now, Paul gives here in Romans seven seven different types of spiritual gifts. Now, this is not exhaustive exactly. But as we read these, you're going to find that these are like major headings. And there are almost an innumerable amount of nuances and, and different variations to the main title. And so I bet today, those of you who came here today, you weren't thinking at all about your spiritual gift. You weren't thinking at all about participating in a body. You just want to come, sit, and leave. And now you're realizing, oh, there's, some, there's a, a part that I play here, and you're wondering what your part might be. I bet your part will be somewhere underneath one of these seven headings. Okay? Now, let's jump into these, and we'll spend a little time on each of them. The first one is probably the most controversial and the most misunderstood, the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy. Now, how most people understand this is a person who hears new revelation from God, particularly about the future, and then tells people about this new revelation from God, like the Old Testament prophets, like Daniel. Even Jesus, in this sense, was a prophet in the sense that he has new revelation, and it's about the future, and so that's our idea of a prophet, foretelling, you know. Telling the future, foretelling. But there's another aspect to prophecy that is not foretelling, it is forth-telling, simply proclaiming what has already been revealed, Uh, uh, telling what has already been told to them. And that's what this word is not foretelling as in getting, receiving new revelation and then proclaiming it as God's message about the future. This is not that kind of prophecy. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that that prophecy is contained here in these words. These, this is God's revealed word. But no more is God giving new revelation. The Bible says make sure you don't start adding new revelation to this. <laughs> These are his words. This is his revelation. And so, this gift of prophecy cannot be new revelation from God about the future. It must be that second type of prophecy of forthtelling, proclaiming what has already been revealed in his word. This is simply the gift of, of preaching. <laughs> preaching God's word, that's the gift. That's, that's what's being referred to here. And so, this could be a... a a proclaiming of God's Word as a pastor in a church or as a missionary or as an evangelist or as a speaker somewhere. But that's the gift of prophecy. Now, could there be more than one prophet within a church? Absolutely. If that's how we define prophecy in the local church today, by foretelling, not foretelling, but foretelling, someone who is proclaiming God's Word, there will be many people within a church that proclaim the already revealed Word of God. So the curriculum has already been defined, and now it's a proclamation of the, of the, of the curriculum, as opposed to receiving new curriculum from God. Right? Prophecy. Acts of service. In verse 7, it says, "...if service..." In his serving. Well, this is simply a very generic, very general word for ministry, for serving in ministry. The Greek word here on this word service is the same word where we get the word deacons and deaconesses. It's that same root word, those who serve, the, the waiters of the tables. And so this is a very broad word which is referring to anybody deacon and deaconess, or even people who are not deacons and deaconesses who have the desire to serve, to help out the body in some sort of way. Not, these aren't specifically designed only for a specific role. Anybody can have this gift of desiring to serve within a body. Remember, God is the one who decides what these are. God is the one who places these inside of you. You might not like to serve typically. That might not be your natural bent, but God might give you this is a spiritual gift where you rely on His power and His strength to come and set up chairs or to vacuum up after people or to take the trash out. Those kinds of things are, are areas of service that might not come as a, a human desire to you, but might come as a desire being a part of the body in Christ. The next one, keep moving on down the, down the line there. In verse 7 it says, Um, or he who teaches in his teaching. So a Christian who then is a teacher, who has the spiritual gift of teaching, then has the special ability of helping other Christians understand the Bible. And so now you start to say, okay, so we have this prophecy one, which is communicating God's truth, proclaiming God's truth, And now we have this word teaching. What's the difference between the the proclaiming of God's word and this one called teaching? Well, the proclaiming would be the proclaiming, and the teaching would be making sure people understand it, the explaining. One is the proclaiming, one is the explaining. So people know what the proclamation is about. And so, this could apply to not just one teacher within a church. You might say, well, I mean, we already have one teacher. There you are, Pastor. Um, that's it. I can't be a teacher. No. Nope. There are many teachers within a church, hopefully. That, the goal is there would be many teachers within, not just one. And the way that we know that is the Apostle Paul, who wrote this, also talked about teaching uh, to his protege, Timothy, and in uh, verse 7, or, or sorry, in, um, as he talks about teaching, it's uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul describes the process of teaching. And I just want you to notice some things that he, that he says there. He says, and the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, meaning Paul's the apostle, and Timothy, you are the pastor, and you've heard them from me. I taught them to you. Now, Timothy could just say, great, I learned it. I'm done. There was a teacher. I was a student. Done. But that's not where this verse ends. It says, okay, and the thing which you have heard from me in the presence of witnesses, these, meaning the things that you learned, entrust to faithful men. Timothy, you teach others. Teach them with your words. Teach them in their actions. Help them to understand. Explain to them. What the proclamation, what does God's word mean? And then that's not it. It's not just where the, the apostle tells the pastor, okay, now you teach it to these people. Notice the next step. Then that those people then would be teachers themselves and tell other people as well. And so there will be many teachers within the church. There would be men, maybe, who lead and are men's small groups, or women who might teach in a small group, or it might be um, in our Sunday school classes. We have teachers, and they have the gift of explaining the Bible to, to children. And so, that is the gift of teaching, helping them understand in your words, in your deeds, what does the proclamation mean, the explanation of it. Now, of course, a pastor probably should have this gift. The the teaching of God's Word is an important thing. That's that's how the the body begins to be more mature is by the teaching that they understand God's revealed Word. And so it would be important that uh, at least there be one teacher within a church. But generally, God will place many teachers within the church to explain the Bible to various people in various situations in various ways, teaching the next one there in verse eight, it says, "He who exhorts in his exhortation." Okay, so exhortation is, it puts two Greek words together, and it's the idea of bringing some, like bringing someone to your side, um, bringing someone uh, over to your side, um, or having someone at your side. It's that that idea, and the gift of exhortation. It would mean a lot of different things like advising or pleading with somebody, begging them, or encouraging them, or warning them, or strengthening somebody, or comforting them. Now, of course, those are big words, and can't see how that would actually matter, but let me put some meat on the bones and in, in what exhorting might actually mean, like persuading a Christian to turn from his sin, or persuading a Christian to to, to turn from a bad habit or encouraging that Christian to live now his newfound life with not that sin in it anymore or another place that you might see that is someone who is comforting somebody who's facing trouble to bring them to your side, to come alongside of them and help them, to guide a Christian through a difficult time. To, to help them put their faith in Christ and teach them how to do that even in the really difficult times in life. Or to help a weak Christian who's experiencing difficulty or relentless temptation, giving them practical helps, encouraging them, uh, helping them, exhorting them to live a life for, for Jesus. Walking with a, a, a friend that you have that's a Christian in, in their um, depression or in their guilt or in their difficulties of life, you've, you've, you're bringing them to your side, exhorting them, helping them to live a life for Jesus, even in the midst of all the struggles of everyday life. So now we start to we start to put these things together. We have the prophecy, the proclaiming, we have the teaching, and we have the exhortation. Well, what's the difference between these? Well, the prophecy is the proclaiming, the teaching is the same curriculum as the proclaiming. The curriculum doesn't change. It's not like the prophecy is getting new words from God, and, and they, their role is to communicate for God in the sense that this is brand new. The, the prophecy is communicating for God something that he has already said. That's the nuance. Proclaiming. Now, the teaching is the explaining. You have the proclaiming, and then you have the explaining of what was proclaimed. And now you have this exhorting. And the exhorting would be the the application to it. The, The helping someone live the curriculum. The curriculum is God's word. This is the the prophecy from God. This is God's revealed word. And so we already have the the proclamation, and now we have the teaching so that now every Christian understands what it says. And now we have the exhortation is, is, hey, let me come alongside of you and and help you live it. I want to live it, and you want to live it. And so the exhortation is, is, let's live it. That's exhortation. Next one, in verse 8, it says, He who exhorts with his exhortation, he who gives with liberality. So this is sacrificial giving, giving financially to God's work. Now, the usual Greek word in, in the Bible for giving is didomi, didomai. And that means to give. But this word is meta. Didomai, like meta, like the metaverse, you know. Meta didomai. And meta didomai has a little different meaning. This meta is like coming from my own. Um, giving from from my own. Uh and even with the, the, the words here even clarified, even if you didn't know your Greek very well, it says, he who gives with liberality. This is referring to a Christian who gives of what really could be used by them. I'm giving of my own to God's work. A sacrificial giving until it hurts. That They, they give beyond just the normal giving of worship to God. They give beyond that. They give to where it hurts. You know, Paul knew what that was like because Paul had told the church in Corinth about this other church. This other church was a Philippian church. Oh man, Paul said, hey, you, you Corinthians, you should, you should give like the Philippian church. I mean, no, no, no brother wants to hear, hey, uh, you know, you should be like your sister. You know, no one ever wants to hear that. But that's what Paul says. You should be a giver like that Philippian church. The Philippian church, they were oppressed. They, they were experiencing severe uh, persecution, they were not wealthy at all. They're just trying to figure out how to live their own Christian life in this Greek culture they were in. And, and yet they gave up to their normal amount and beyond. Not because someone called them up and said, you better give. Not because someone wrote a letter and said, you're not giving enough. Not because they feel guilty. Not because they sinned a lot and needed to pay off a lot of sin that month. They gave because they were passionate about God's Word spreading through the Apostle Paul. They they wanted Christians discipled, and they gave from themselves. The, The Sacrificial giving. If you can believe it, there are Christians at Grace Community Church who give way more than 10%. And that's a gift that they've been given by God's Holy Spirit. And you might be thinking, oh God, please don't give me that gift. I don't want that one. Well, if that's what you're thinking, then you probably don't have it. (laughs) But I bet there's two or three or four of you in here who, in your heart, would say, You know, that would be so awesome. I'd love to do that. I'd love to just sacrifice that vacation and just give it to God's work. And if that's in your heart, that's not natural. That is a gift that's been given to you that is a part of the benefit of the rest of the body. Now, let's move to the next one, leading, verse 8, leading. He who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, who leads with diligence. So, leadership includes several aspects of things. One is that they have the ability to make wise decisions, that they can make decisions for the body that are wise, that are beneficial to the body, to the group of Christians that they are around. So that would be one aspect of leadership. The next aspect of leadership is um, <laughs> they're, they're willing to pay the price for making those decisions. They have strong enough shoulders where they can, they can own it, where, where they, can, they can face the music, as it were, <laughs> as they make the decisions that are important. And of course, this is something that would be an aspect of the servant leadership within Grace Community Church, and um, this is an aspect of the elders for sure, that they should have a, a part of leadership within sight of them, given to them by God. However, they aren't the only leaders at Grace Community Church. They're leaders within our men's ministry, within our women's ministry, that God has given a gift to lead. Within our Sunday school ministry... Within our ministry to the homeless, there are leaders in all of these places because God has given them that, that gift. Now, you might say, well, I want to be a leader. I'm going to be a leader. I'm going to read all the leadership books that exist, and I'm going to be a leader. That's not the way that it works. God is the one who gives the gift. God is the one who determines. And don't, don't feel bad if you don't have the gift of leadership. That's okay. Okay. If you don't have the the gift of playing electric guitar, that's okay. The gift of a wonderful voice, that's okay if you don't have it. It's wonderful if you do. It's okay if you don't because you have your own. Now, the last one, mercy. Mercy. The the, the Greek word is shows mercy. Elio. Elio. And there's two parts to mercy. One is... They have this, if you have this gift, you have the ability to be sympathetic to someone who's in need. You notice someone who's in need and you're sympathetic to their plight, but that's not the only part. There's a second part to that, and the second part is that you have the resources to successfully address the issues that that person is going through. So, you have the sympathy aspect, but you also have the resources, whether it be emotional or spiritual or financial, to address the needs of that person. Because uh, most people can be sympathetic of others. Most people can say, oh, that's too bad that they're in that spot. That's not the gift. Noticing someone is in a bad spot and feeling bad for them, that's not the gift. The gift is saying, I know how to address that and doing it. That's the gift of mercy. It is so important that a church has people within it who recognize the fact that they have the gift of mercy. And this is often an unsung hero kind of gift because it happens every day. It happens when you hear of a a person in your small group that's going through difficulty and you give them a call on the phone and and you give them just what they need at just the right time through God's Holy Spirit. And no one else knows about it. No one else hears about it. Never ends up on our email prayer net. It never ends up in in the pastor's office. But it's this gift of mercy that is so valuable to a body who is always needing some vitamins. It's like the, the, the vitamins of a body. Those who just come in, and just work in areas called by God's Holy Spirit to, to provide for those who are, who are needy in that area. And so here's the list. Here's the list of things. Prophecy and acts of service and teaching and exhorting and giving and leading and mercy. I'd bet that you fall somewhere underneath one of those, that God has given you a spiritual gift somewhere underneath one of those. And, and that's what's unique, is that God is the one who gives it. Why would anybody show up to Grace Community Church to move chairs and vacuum and then put the chairs back? Why would anybody volunteer to do that? Oh, you got to do that at home already. Why are you going to do it here? It's because God places that, that desire to serve within somebody. That's why they would do that. You might say, why would somebody, on purpose, get up in front of people and and talk for 50 minutes? That is like the worst thing ever. Why would someone volunteer to officiate a memorial service? What do I even say? Why would someone officiate a a wedding? Why would someone do that? Now, you might say, oh, well, I mean, of course, he's a pastor. And so he has the desire for the limelight. He likes it. He wants the attention. He's been doing this his entire life. That is completely the opposite of me. Completely the opposite. My, the job that I had before this was, whatever this is, it was the opposite of this. And, and, and when it's not in a Christian setting, I have no desire to be up in front of people. None. I love to sit in the back and judge everybody else. That's what I like to do. Last night we were at a basketball game, back row. That, I, 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 I don't desire in my humanness this. And as God removed from me the, the working passions that I had and, and I was called into this, I asked God, Are you sure? Like, are you sure? And I'd bet that when you begin to find what your spiritual gift is, I bet you might say, are you sure? Because it just, so, it, it just won't resonate with the, the human who you are. But that's the whole glory of a spiritual gift. That it's not about the human in your ability. It's about God working through you and Him giving you the passion, and Him giving you the interest. And, and when you drive to church and you're going to be doing something that is not your human A game, but you in some way have been called to it, you pray a lot on Sunday morning driving to church. Trust me, I do. And so you might say, are you sure? And God says, yes. This is the gift that I have given you. And we have all sorts of, like, we have all sorts of this at Grace Community Church. I mean, you could you can change diapers. You can provide security for our church. If you are are artsy and are a photographer, we'd love to use your photography skills. You've already seen you've seen ph- photographers around here. We'd love to use your photography skills. Maybe it's teaching in our children's ministry, or maybe it's ushing. Ushing is like one of the most important things that occur on Sunday morning in the sense that they are the guardians. They're like the protectors of our focus here. They're the, they address all of the things that could be distractions so we're not distracted, so we can worship Christ. You could be an usher. It's, it, it doesn't take 80 hours a week to be an usher. You could serve in the body in that way. In teaching or in providing donuts and coffee in the hospitality out in the courtyard or leading a men's small group, or leading a women's small group. Some of you are teachers. Some of you are leaders, and you should be leading in those areas. Hosting a Barnabas group, setting up chairs, vacuuming after an event, setting up for communion, or you could come to my house and wash cars. I mean, I'll leave that one open too if you want to take it. But I can tell you this, that when it is God's Spirit that is giving you the power, you desire that. And once you are done and you go home, you are so spent because you've been relying on the Lord and, and yet it was so wonderful at the exact same time. It is so good. So the question today is, are you a healthy part of the body? That's the question. And if the answer is no, it doesn't have to stay like that. My recommendation to you is if you would say, no, I'm not participating in in the body, my recommendation to you is just start doing something. Just start doing something and stick with it. Just stay doing that thing. And God will begin to move you. He will begin to Move you into areas and begin to focus your interest. It might take two years, it might take five years, it might take twenty years. But he will begin to focus your interest and focus your passions. And you might begin to begin to identify certain gifts that God the Holy Spirit has given you. But if you don't know what yours is, start with something. On your little tear-off sheet on your bulletin thing, you haven't put it in the offering bag yet today, there's a little thing there where you can mark, I want to serve. And I want you to serve at Grace Community Church. I want you to be a part of the healthy body at Grace Community Church. Now, I remind you from what we talked about last week, that the first step in this is joining our church family, (laughs) officially committing to this group of believers as being the group of believers that you are going to commit to, that you are going to serve within. And so that's why Jeff introduced to you GCC Connection. That's coming up in less than a month, March 5th. GCC Connection will be the first step, if you are not a member here at Grace, that will be the first step of you beginning to serve at Grace. Within a few weeks, you'll go to GCC Connection. You'll officially join our church membership, and uh, we will plug you in to ministry here at Grace. Put it on that thing. We'll contact you in the next couple weeks, and uh, we'll we'll get you moving. Just find something, and just do it committed, committed to it and God will begin to move you around, okay? Now, the very first step in all these things is putting your faith in Jesus Christ. You don't have any spiritual gifts without Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus is God, and he's died on the cross for our sins. And so if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, i want to give you the opportunity to do that. He has died for your sins so that you don't have to die for your sins. And so if you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus, being God in the flesh, who on the cross is blood poured out, not paying for his sin, but paid for yours, if you need your sins forgiven today, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. So I'm going to ask all of you, would you be willing to bow your heads and close your eyes? It just creates a little separation between you and the person next to you for just a minute. And in the quietness of this moment, you can talk to God. You don't need to say anything out loud. He can read your mind. He knows your heart. And you could say, God, I know that I've sinned. I know that I've done things I shouldn't have done. And I realize that I need a Savior. I need someone to save me from the penalty of my sin. And I believe that Jesus is the only Savior. I believe that Jesus is God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sin. I believe that he rose from the grave after that, proving that he can do everything that the Bible says that he can do. And I put my faith, my trust, my belief in this Jesus, I put my eternity into his hands. So your head's still bowed, your eyes still closed, the immediate promise is that, yes, God's Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, baptizes you with himself. He comes and lives inside of you. He is the promise that he's going to take your soul to heaven when you die. He's also the provider of spiritual gifts. And whether you know you're going to heaven before today or whether today is the very first time, it is God's Holy Spirit inside of you that will help you in your ministry, help you serve, help you be a part of the body. And God, we as a church family, we thank you. We thank you for your provision for our church. We thank you for providing the, the, the gifts in our church. We thank you for providing for, for the focuses that we can have. And I pray that our church is a, a wonderfully functioning body as we follow your leading within our ministries and our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.